Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, and with me as always is Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing today? Doing great, Jordan. How are you, man? I'm really good. I'm really good. So we have big news to announce on the podcast today. We have a new Minister of Adult Discipleship and Missions here at First Baptist. Dr. Alex Watkins. He got voted in on Sunday night and uh, very excited for Alex and his family to come and be a part of our church family. Uh, He is married to Megan, and they have three amazing kids and uh, got to spend some time with them, uh, obviously, over the course of the entire search process, but... Um, he's just a great guy, very easy to talk to, and has a heart for missions and a heart for disciple-making. And so as he comes on, uh, he comes on with about 14 years of ministry experience, so he's been at this for a while. He's got a doctorate from the Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. What's been interesting is uh, on staff, we kind of have this little competition. Three of us are graduates of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary up in Mm -hmm. Louisville, and then we have two who are currently enrolled in uh, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary and one who is a graduate of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. So we were tied three to three, and so the tiebreaker is somebody who went to a different seminary altogether. So (laughs) Southeastern um, and... All three are wonderful schools, and so it's just a little um, among the six Southern Baptist theological seminaries all throughout the country. Um, it's really funny that we are evenly balanced on two of them, and now we have an outlier. We have somebody from uh, Southeastern. But what's really funny is Southeastern Seminary is known as the missions seminary hmm. of the entire convention. And so I think it's altogether fitting and proper that Alex comes in with a Doctor of Ministry degree from Southeastern as he's going to help us reinvigorate our missions ministry. You know, we're over two centuries old, and missions has been a central part of who we are from the very beginning, and uh, we are excited to get back on the mission field. We've actually got a couple trips coming up. Um, Our students are going to be going to New York over their spring break to do some work with the church there, and very excited about that. And then Lauren Parrish is leading a trip to Brazil this summer, and we are remarkably excited about that, partnering again with Mark and Karen Johnson, who are now the longest tenured International Mission Board missionaries in Brazil and um, get to work with them this summer. So God is faithful, God is good, and uh, by His grace, we are going again. Part of Alex's job will be to help us go, whether that's locally or regionally or to the ends of the earth. Uh, And along the way, uh, he will be helping our adults uh, really continue to grow in Christ, and we are very excited to have him on board. Yeah, it was really cool watching him give his testimony, and we'll we'll make sure to have that in the show notes so you can watch his testimony if you did not get to see it. Perfect. Yeah, and bringing on a new minister of adult discipleship and missions is kind of a nice little segue into our topic for today, which is Paul. Just a little <laughs> bit, yeah. It's pretty amazing that the the one who really took the gospel to what was then known as the ends of the earth, took it all through the Mediterranean region, ended up taking it all the way to Rome. And then, of course, we still read his writings to this day. And uh, what a great segue. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
So we did read several passages about Paul on Sunday. Uh, you'll want to be sure to read all of Acts 9 and then listen to Jeff's sermon from Sunday to kind of get a good basis on what we're talking about. But we're going to keep it pretty broad and talk about Paul's whole life and his whole ministry today. So, Jeff, you shared on Sunday about Paul's own personal testimony, his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. It, it's nestled within a couple other testimonies in Acts, but as we know, Paul's journey goes far beyond the little chapter where it's introduced. Yeah. Not only did he become an apostle, but as he put it, he was the apostle to the Gentiles. Right. So just how impactful is Paul on the faith? Profoundly impactful. Um, the, God made Paul an instrument, his instrument, of carrying the gospel so far. And it was really beautiful. You know, Tommy Nelson, who's the pastor of Denton Bible Church in Denton, Texas, which is just outside of Dallas, said in a sermon, and I've never forgotten this, that Saul of Tarsus, who became known as the Apostle Paul, being saved and then becoming the mouthpiece of the gospel is 100% God beating the devil with his own stick. And it's so beautiful because the one who was persecuting Christians became the greatest proponent of the gospel, the greatest promoter of the Christian faith. And so it's just beautiful to see how God took someone who was literally affirming and approving and cheering for the death of the first Christian martyr, watching the cloaks of those who had to take their cloaks off to throw stones at Stephen. Um, then becomes the greatest champion of the gospel. And so what did what did Paul do? Well, Paul, and not by himself, he always had people with him, whether it was Barnabas or whether it was Timothy or whether it was Titus or whomever it was. He carried the gospel up into Asia, up into Europe, and again, all the way to Italy, to Rome. And it's just remarkable. Um, the churches that he founded and the churches that he continued to speak into. You know, we, we think about the church at Ephesus that Timothy pastored, but Paul had such a ministry there in Ephesus. Paul had such a ministry there in Corinth, such a ministry in Athens. He, he, these places that when we think about world history, we can't skip these places. Um, Paul went there, and often was the only voice for the gospel. He took Christ to to places where Christ had not been mentioned before. He went into synagogues. He went into squares. He went onto the Areopagus there at Mars Hill in Athens. And, and when he was in Athens, he was the only Christian in Athens. He didn't even have his buddies with him. And he was surrounded by the greatest philosophers of the age, and he's proclaiming Christ. But, you know, in writing so much of the New Testament, he informs our faith. And as I think through some of the most impactful parts of the Bible for me, you know, I think about Romans. My goodness gracious. Romans is not light reading. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Romans is, is deep material. And, and you know, I can, I can remember going through Romans for the first time as a college student with a group of other college students and just 
there was so much there and there's still so much there. And then, you know, one of my, one of my youth pastors along the way taught me that you can remember Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians by the acronym, God eats popcorn. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just how meaningful those are. And then the pastoral epistles of uh, both to Timothy and to Titus and how meaningful those are. Um, You know, Paul taught me as he was carried along by the Holy Spirit, how to treat older men and older women and younger men and younger women. And, and that informs every moment of my ministry every single day. So there's just so much that that God used Paul to contribute to the faith. Really, over the last two millennia, Paul's influence is hard to measure because it is so vast. No kidding. Well, in talking about his title, Apostle of the Gentiles, yeah. can you kind of break down specifically what he saw his mission as being? Well, a couple things. Number one, to be an apostle, you have to have seen Jesus. (laughs) You have to have been taught by Jesus. And so Paul's really the last of the apostles because he had this vision of Jesus. And then he, he had his time out in Arabia. And he even said specifically, I was not taught by anybody but the Lord himself. The Lord taught me what that means. So, um, just to be clear, I know there's a new apostolic reformation, and there are people who would claim the title of apostle today. I believe the gifting of apostle is still available, but the title of apostle was closed after the apostle Paul. Um, so we don't have anyone to whom God is revealing the word of God to be written down and added to the Bible. That closed uh, That closed with John on Patmos, and so that's why we don't have any extra books that were penned after Patmos. Um, but Paul specifically was called to carry the gospel to the Gentiles, which is remarkable because he was such a strong Jewish believer. He was so strong in his faith. Um, but what's interesting is that God, who knows exactly what he's doing, you know, provided Paul with Roman citizenship from birth. That would become very very meaningful and instrumental in Paul's ability to proclaim the gospel throughout the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Um but it was just so amazing. You know, we'll talk next week about Cornelius and how God opened Peter's eyes to share the gospel with a Gentile and and Cornelius really being the first uh, Gentile convert and and how amazing that story was. So God used Peter to preach to the Gentiles as well, but Paul was really the one who was sent out to go into Gentile territories and to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles. Um, and, and just as a reminder, when we think about the Bible, there are really two races of people who are considered in Scripture. There are the Jews and there are the Gentiles. And if you are not ethnically Jewish, then you are a Gentile. And so that means that I'm a Gentile, and you're a Gentile, and Elliot's a Gentile. And um, we have friends who are ethnically Jewish because we remember that to, uh, to be Jewish, one, is an ethnicity, uh, but it is also a religious affiliation. And so I'm deeply grateful that God saw fit to carry the, the, the message of Almighty God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to us Gentiles, too. Amen. It works out. It's very nice. <laughs> it's very nice. It's very nice to be grafted in. Yeah. And then for God to explain that to us through the pen of the Apostle Paul as he wrote to the church at Rome. So it's just, it's it's really remarkable. It is. And it, it's so important to get that, what you're saying, that there's there's Jews and there's Gentiles. If, if you don't get that, 
distinction, you're not really going to understand much of what Paul or any, like anybody's talking Seriously. about. Seriously, I mean the whole New Testament. When you look at when you look at Jesus's interaction with the Syrophoenician woman, and and she talks about throwing the scraps to the dogs. Well, Gentiles were referred to as dogs. I mean, you know, so mm-hmm. here she comes as a Gentile, and and she understands that, and yet places explicit faith in the Jewish Messiah. Um, so as from one dog to another, right? I am <laughs> um, grateful to be a dog who's been, who's been thrown the scraps um, and who has been welcomed into the kingdom of God through Jesus. Amen. Well, so speaking of Paul's Jewishness, he, he gives his family pedigree and his rank uh, as a Pharisee uh, in Philippians 3, but then he writes, for his sake, for Christ's sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found with him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. Okay, so are the things Paul, quote-unquote, counts as rubbish, for Christ's sake, Jewishness, circumcision, zeal for the Torah, are, are these actually rubbish? Is that what he's really saying, or is he saying something else? I don't, I don't think that he is saying that Jewishness or circumcision or zeal for the Torah are um, rubbish, but I think that what he is saying is, one, he no longer relies on these things for his salvation. Um, he is no longer relying on the fact that he is of the tribe of Benjamin for his salvation. In Judaism, it is remarkably important to be able to trace your lineage to Abraham. That's why Matthew chapter 1 exists. They have to be able to trace the Jewish Messiah's lineage to Abraham. And um, it's very important. Um, and, And I think that we lose something because we don't understand our heritage nearly as well as most Jewish people do. Um, circumcision was a mark in the flesh. Um, the New Testament teaches us that what is more important than the mark in the flesh is the mark of the heart. So circumcision of the heart matters more than circumcision of the flesh. So that was a big controversy in the church. The first church council was about the issue of circumcision. They were asking the question, hey, Gentiles are, are coming to the faith. What do we do with these guys, specifically with the males? Do they have to become Jewish before they can become Christians, i.e., do they have to be circumcised before they can become Christians? And the consensus of the early church, I believe, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, was no, you do not have to be circumcised to become a Christian. In other words, um, you do not have to fully become Jewish in that sense, following the pattern set forth by God in Genesis chapter 17. You do not have to fully become Jewish in that sense, but they did set out some stipulations for Gentiles who would become Christians. Uh, One was don't worship idols. Another was don't eat blood. Um, I still don't eat blood. Now, that doesn't mean I don't eat a medium rare steak because I believe that's the only way to eat it, but the USDA doesn't allow blood to be sold in meat. So that red liquid is not blood um, from your medium rare or even rare steak, just so you're aware. Um, But I do avoid eating blood. Going back all the way to Noah, the life is in the blood. Going back to Leviticus chapter 16 and 17 on Yom Kippur and, and don't eat the blood because the life is in the blood. And then coming to Acts chapter 15 and, and the prohibition from the Jerusalem council, don't eat the blood. The, the life is in the blood, so I don't eat the blood. Um, 
So I don't think that that Paul is discounting, you know, my goodness, if you go to Romans and you read Paul's own writing um, about the benefits of being Jewish, yeah, I mean, it is remarkable. He says in Romans chapter 10, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, for the Jewish people, is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So what is he saying? He's saying that they, the people who have rejected Christ, who come from a Jewish heritage, aren't seeing that God has sent his Christ in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. That is vitally important. And if you go back to Romans chapter 9, starting at verse 1, Paul writes, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race according to the flesh is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. So I don't think Paul is saying, I am totally discounting all of my Jewish heritage. Uh, and in, I made this point on Sunday. Christianity was not meant to be the establishment of a new religion. Christianity is just completed Judaism. It's just that it, it, David would consider himself a Christian, but a Jewish Christian, right? Uh, Solomon would consider himself a Christian. Abraham would consider himself a Christian, but a Jewish Christian. So Jesus didn't come to establish a third major world religion. Jesus simply came as the continual outworking of that which God had established from the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 12, when God called Abraham, Jesus is simply the fulfillment of the promises of God to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to the tribes, to Moses, to the all the way down. And so, um, again, I think it's important that we understand, golly, um, we have this shared heritage with the Jewish people. Their history is our history because we have been grafted into their story through Christ by whom the way has been opened for we Gentiles to be grafted into the family of God. So I think that's so important that we understand that. And as we even today stand for supporting Israel against the horrors of Hamas and Hezbollah and, and these organizations that are seeking to kill people and destroy people and, and wipe Israel off the face of the earth, we have a shared heritage. We, we look back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all of the tribes and particularly Judah— um, because we follow the line of the tribe of Judah, who is in the line of David, who is Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so, you know, there's just so much history and heritage there. Uh, and it's so vitally important that we understand that. Amen. I, I think Paul was the man for the task that he was given. He was not only Jewish, but he was a Pharisee who could take his rabbinic training and deliver messages to 
not only Gentiles, but also to Jewish people who would understand what he was saying and the nuance of Scripture that he was bringing out. Well, and it's an important thing to understand that the Pharisees were very much lawyers. <laughs> I mean, they they, yep. they they knew how to take the law and apply it. Mm-hmm. And and not only did they know how to apply it, they knew how to argue for it. They knew how to to employ tactics of rhetoric to convince people. And that became very important in Paul's ministry. And again, I go back to the Areopagus, to Mars Hill in Athens. It was so vitally important that Paul understood how to evaluate his audience, who they were, and then what he said to them. So what Paul spoke to a Jewish audience in a synagogue would be different from what he would speak to a Gentile audience on Mars Hill, all proclaiming Christ but coming at it from a different way. He was, he was skilled and had been taught how to communicate and how to do so in a, in a manner that was persuasive. Yet again, God doesn't waste anything. Mm-hmm. Paul didn't know he was preparing for that. You know, Saul of Tarsus didn't know when he was at the feet of Gamaliel that, that he was being prepared to proclaim Christ, but that's exactly what God was doing. And so um, God, we magnify God because of his sovereign hand in our lives and his sovereign leadership of our lives, and he doesn't waste anything. Um, it's just it's beautiful to see his handiwork in preparing Paul for a ministry he never knew he would have. Amen. Okay, so let's take this discussion of Paul and make it really practical. So today's question actually comes from my wife, Taylor. Why is Paul so hard to understand, and how can we understand his writings better? That's a great question, because Peter himself um, says (laughs) that Paul is hard to understand. So if you look at 2 Peter 3, 15 and 16, Peter explicitly says Paul is hard to understand. Now, here's the other thing. Peter explicitly affirms that Paul's writings are Scripture Yes, in that very statement. So that's a beautiful thing in and of itself. Yeah, Most of Paul's writings are very easy to understand, and I'll, I'll preface my answer to this question by saying the, the passages from Paul that I struggle with the most are the ones that are— I mean, my my kids can understand. You know, a five year old can understand. <laughs> hey, don't do this. You know, hey, uh-huh. this is not who you are. Don't act like this. You know, those are the passages that I tend to struggle with the most. But then you look at things of women are saved through childbearing and all those sorts of things. And 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 it's so there are some hard to understand passages. And you know, I think about Paul, but I also think about the entire council of scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, the 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 entire thing has some parts that are just difficult. I think the purpose is multifaceted. I think one, we need to understand that as human beings, we are limited and we are finite. God is unlimited and infinite. So there are going to be things that he communicates that I think we just have to recognize he's bigger than we are. He understands more than we do. Our perspective is limited in every way. And so even if it seems like there is some sort of contradiction in Scripture, we defer to God being God and our not being God. Um, so I think that's that's the way that we approach Scripture. And so um, there are answers, logical answers for apparent contradictions. There are logical answers for difficult-to-understand passages. So um, 
that's the first thing. But, but also, again, we understand that Paul is writing to different audiences in different places at different times. Amen. We are reading as, for us in particular, Western Christians— Paul's writing to Eastern Christians. Um, there's a big difference there between East and West, and even in terms of logic and in terms of how arguments are structured and things of that nature. In some cases, Paul is speaking to formerly Jewish Christians. In other cases, Paul is speaking to formerly Gentile Christians, and he's a master, as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, at using references that pertain to each individual group. So, for example, let me let me just give you an example. You go to um, the letters to the Corinthians, and one of the points that Paul makes is that it is shameful for a woman to shave her head. Okay, well, what's he talking about there? Does that mean that if a woman gets a haircut, she's wrong today? Well, if you go to Corinth, and I've, I've been privileged to get to go to Corinth, um, at the top of the Acro Corinth is a temple to Aphrodite, who is the Greek goddess of love. And the way that you would worship the Greek goddess of love is you would go up to her temple and you would engage in worship, and I'm using air quotes now that our audience can't see, um, with what was called a temple prostitute. And for a nominal fee, you would be able to worship the goddess of love by sleeping with a temple prostitute. And guess how you knew a woman was a temple prostitute? She shaved her head. So Paul writes to the women of Corinth, hey, don't shave your head. Yeah. Because in so doing, you are marking yourself as a temple prostitute. Now, if we don't know that temple prostitutes did that, in Corinth at that time, then we might read that passage from Corinthians to say, women can't ever cut their hair. No, he's speaking to a specific context mm-hmm. in that moment. So so there's a reason some of it's hard to understand because he is writing to various different cities, various different regions, and he names the, the cities in the titles of his letters many times. Um, but he's dealing with specific issues at times, and uh, and that can make things hard for us to understand. That's really helpful. I, I've thought about it like if someone were to go through my emails and try to construct the grander narrative of my life from very specific emails. That is a great way to think about it. Yeah. Uh, and it would be really hard to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the same is true for my emails. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, just that little tidbit alone is worth the, the price of admission for this podcast. Just knowing that he's writing to different audiences in different places, all of which were 2,000 years before now. Yeah, yeah, so. and and so keep that in mind when you approach Scripture, when you read Scripture. If there's something that you don't understand, one of the things that's very helpful is if you'll get yourself a study Bible. I prefer the ESV study Bible. A lot of these notes will help you understand the cultural context and the various elements of of what Paul might be speaking to that you can't understand, that I can't understand, but his readers in the original day would absolutely have understood. Absolutely. Jeff, thank you as always for your insightful answers. Uh, Listeners, if you have a question, if you have a question about Paul or one of his letters, then go to the link in the show notes or comment in the post below. Can you pray us out for today, Jeff? Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for your word 
and we're thankful for those whom you use to communicate your word to us. And specifically today, we are thankful for Saul of Tarsus, whom we know as the Apostle Paul, and whom you use to carry the gospel message really (laughs) to the ends of the earth. Paul's still carrying the gospel through his writings, and Lord, we're thankful that the gospel's been carried to us. We pray that you would continue to mold us and shape us and refine us and make us more like Jesus. And Lord, that you would help us to be instruments in your hands to invite others to come to Christ. And so, Lord, just as Paul went forth obeying your calling on his life, may we go forth obeying your calling on our lives. And may you be glorified and the world be blessed by all of it. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley, and our editors are Chadwick Walden and Fuying Engdahl.